The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not much, man. Uh, uh, Super Bowl's over. Football is done. At least the NFL is now, and I guess we got to talk about that, don't we? Yeah, man. Yep, 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 yep. We are going to uh, discuss everything Super Bowl related on this particular episode. Not really going to dive into too much of anything else. As if you listen to the preview show, things are pretty much the same in the sports world as they were on Friday. Major sports anyway, unless you've been following the Olympics, which changes every nobody day. Really, <laughs> nobody really pays attention to the Winter Olympics anyway. Yes. I... Like, don't get me wrong, those, those those athletes train hard as well as anybody else. They do a lot more training than because my fat ass needs to go back to the gym. But <laughs> in all actuality, reality, yeah, yeah, most of most people don't really pay attention to that around here. Right, right. Another score is a part of the CSPN. You can find us on the web at CSPN.us. You can also find us through SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or your different podcast apps. All you have to do is search for KTSPod-The CSPN. You can hear me and Dwayne break down all these things in the world of sports uh, here on the CSPN. So we'll get into it, man. 23-20, the Rams defeat the Bengals. Cooper Cup and uh and the fifty six installment <laughs> right. Uh Cooper Cup catching the game winning touchdown on a fade route in the corner of the end zone on everybody's favorite target, Eli Apple. And he dropped that on himself, so um a game in which I thought the Bengals should have won. A game I thought that they gave away, um, especially uh, considering the circumstances the Rams have put found themselves in. OBJ getting injured in the second quarter with a knee injury. Um, I haven't heard the severity of the injury, but he did not come back to play uh, in the in the game in the second half. Uh, it was very apparent that the other receivers on the Rams team were not capable of holding on to the ball or making any plays. So it should have been very simple for the defensive coordinator of the Bengals to zero in on Cooper Cup. Uh, but that did not happen as... Uh, it did for a little bit. <laughs> as uh, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup connected uh, multiple times on the Rams' final drive, 15-play drive, uh, to, to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they still needed a defensive stand. And, of course, big number 99, Aaron Donald, just like he did in the NFC Championship game, got a hold of the quarterback, forced Joe Burrow to make a desperate pass on fourth down that was incomplete. And the Rams 
the visiting team win the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, for I would say after Beckham went down, the Bengals did for the next 30-something minutes of game time. They did a great job keeping up with Cooper Cup, uh, blank, blanketing him, making sure he doesn't get the ball. And like you said, the other receivers on the uh, – on the Rams were not affected whatsoever, but Sean McVay just said, I guess he probably just told Matt by any means necessary to get the ball to Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford obliged, and that's how it ended up on that final drive. And like I said on Twitter, um, all really you had to do was find where Eli Apple was and just throw it in his direction because – that man could not cover his way out of a one paper bag if his life depended on it. <laughs> um, I, if I'm the defensive coordinator, especially on that last drive, every coverage we're bracketing Cooper Cup. If you want to throw the ball to Jefferson and think he's going to catch it, be my guest. If you're going to throw the ball to the dude who replaced OBJ, I think he's going to hold on to it. Be my guest. If you want to throw a wheel route up the sideline to Akers or Henderson, please be my guest. But you know what I'm not going to let you do? Especially on third down or second and long situation. Throw the ball to Cooper Cup. And repeatedly on that final drive, that is what happened. Um, I really thought that for, you had one job. <laughs> I, I thought for a half that the Bengals, even though they were trailing, that first half was exactly the formula to win the game. They were running to the edges on first and second down, not running right into where Aaron Donald was, but trying to run more towards Vaughn Miller, towards Leonard Floyd, towards the secondary cornerbacks, Jalen Ramsey, make those guys tackle, make Aaron Donald have to run to every play. If they were throwing the ball quick, quick slants, quick screens, making, again, the defensive lineman, Aaron Donald especially, run to the play instead of bringing the play right to him. And even though – They were – oh, I'm sorry, my fault – and, and they were doing a great job initially by having the center help out, but the strategy by the Rams' defense was paramount where they had a guy over the center block Aaron, uh, block the – had somebody occupy the center so Aaron Donald could make those moves. But the only time that they seemed to be able to do that was when they went into third downs and they were doing that overload. But on first and second down when Aaron Donald was in his normal – position especially in the first half and for much of the third quarter I thought that the Bengals really controlled the game controlled the offensive line um I thought that Zach Taylor uh lost his mind once they hit that deep ball to start the second half and got the lead 20 to 16 and all of a sudden it's like he's dropping Joe Burrow back every play like what are you doing dude you got the lead Keep running on the edges with Mixon. It's working. 
If you're going to throw the ball. That was their formula all season long, really. Yeah. That's how they were successful. How did I know? My fantasy team was a benefactor (laughs) of that. If you're going to throw the ball, throw those quick screens, throw those quick outs, those really quick passes that, you know, they don't have a chance to really get their pass rush going. Um, If anything, they're going to have to, you know, stop and put their hands up and try to knock balls down because they're not going to be able to get to your quarterback. But it seems like with the lead and after they hit that big play to T. Higgins to start the second half over Jalen Ramsey, that it kind of emboldened them and they just seem to be dropping back far too much, especially with the lead, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, I thought the play of the game that really gave the Rams a chance, though, was Tyler Boyd dropping that inside slant route on third and eight. If he catches it, he's probably going to be oh, short. Yeah. But it would have been like fourth and one, fourth and two, and they more than likely would have right. went for it to hold on to the possession of the game. But with him flat out dropping that pass, uh, did not allow them to have a chance to go for it on fourth down, and thus the Rams got the ball back and started that ultimate game-winning drive. But I was just very disappointed with the way that the Rams, excuse me, the way that the Bengals um, approached um, the second half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter when they had the lead for majority of the time. I just thought that they were the one thing that you didn't want to do was keep dropping your quarterback back to give Aaron Donald and Von Miller and those guys a chance to get after Joe Burrow, and eventually they started getting after him to the tune of seven sacks. Uh, which is, I think, tied right. for the most sacks in the Super Bowl with uh, um, Roger Staubach got sacked uh, seven times in the Super Bowl. But um, just really thought that uh, the Rams uh, benefited from the Bengals' lack of sticking with what worked for you know majority of this game in the fourth quarter when they needed it the most. I agree with that. Only because, and, and you know, Zach Taylor is a Sean McVay disciple. And what did Sean McVay do a few years ago in Super Bowl 53? He overthought. What did Zach Taylor do in Super Bowl 56? Overthought. And as a result of that overthinking, that's what happened. Because if you recall, the Rams were in the game the uh, entire time with the Patriots. And Sean McVay, and we were on this show a few years back when Sean McVay made these mistakes, weren't we? Yep. So that's one thing I did notice in the similarities between the, the parallels between these two games. Um... The in the coaching style, definitely, and yeah, it was definitely a disappointing moment for the Bengals. Um, but you know, the season that they had, the run that they ended up going on was pretty remarkable. And you know, this team's this team's gonna last. I mean, they'll be back, uh, definitely. Um, I think, of course, you know, we we look at that now and however the future pans out. I mean, we thought Dan Marino would get back to a Super Bowl after his rookie year, but he never did. 
So it just kind of it kind of just makes you wonder: um, is there going to be another opportunity? I mean, we also thought for a, for a period of time that the Panthers would have had the staying power with Cam, but they did not. So you never know what's going to happen, and it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds. Speaking of the future, reports started surfacing about Aaron Donald and Sean McVay's future after this Super Bowl victory. It came out that Sean McVay may be looking to get out of coaching a lot sooner than most people thought. He doesn't. Uh, the reports made it seem like he doesn't really want to be a guy who's in this profession for 15 years or so, um, that he kind of wants to do what he's going to do and get out and, you know, start a family, spend time with that family. Uh, there's been reports that Aaron Donald, after winning the Super Bowl, 30 years old, may retire as well. Uh, the latest is during their um, celebration today, both guys said that they're going to run it back, so at least for one more year. They're all in for the L.A. Rams, and uh, that's good news for that football organization two most important people besides Matthew Stafford are, uh, you know, putting their ring in the hat for one more season next year to be all in. But what do you think about that? Sean McVay, 36 years old, um, you know, sounds like maybe by the time he's 40, you know, he might be sitting on the TV desk or at the booth for Monday Night Football and uh, and, and out of this uh, coaching profession. I mean, I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's a good move if he does decide ultimately to find something else to do in the football football world or anything that he decides to do. Really, he's he's got his ring. He did what he did what his ultimate goal was to do was to uh, bring a championship to the Rams organization that was accomplished, and you know course when you win one you want to see if you can stay on top and see how everything works out there so um, not a bad time I mean the coach I mean playing wise you know it's very the, the lifespan of a player is very short especially nowadays with everybody bigger faster and stronger and I mean coaching it, it's a mental you know, while playing is physically taxing, coaching can be mentally taxing. And not saying playing can't be mentally taxing either, but since we're talking about coaching, uh, that can be uh, mentally taxing our profession, you know, game in, week in, week out of. You know, you want to start a family, you want to see what is out there for you, I'm all for it, you know. Like, he's already wrote, he's already put his name in the annals of NFL lore and and it's going to be probably the first NFL championship to Los Angeles for the Rams because uh, the first Rams title was in St. Louis. Rams Super Bowl anyway was in St. Louis. So it's a uh, very good it's very interesting and you know whatever he decides to do uh, you know even if he's in if he does broadcast it I think that would be a good football analytic mind to listen to on a Monday night broadcast or a Sunday night broadcast. Aaron Donald, 
a lot of people are touting him as the best defensive player in the history of the NFL. I know those people probably were born in like 2004. Um, they've never seen Reggie White or uh, Lawrence Taylor uh, wreck, wreck somebody's whole game, even Derek Thomas for that matter. But um, as far as defensive tackle, defensive tackles, though, he may be the ultimate best. I think, you know, Warren Sapp, Main Joe Green, um, who else? Kind of Dan Hampton. But I think of just defensive tackles that are just – get a lot of sacks. You know, it's really a position up until Warren Sapp came into the league that really wasn't known for getting a lot of sacks. Warren Sapp was kind of the one player who was um, the transitional type of player to show the NFL that, oh, this position can dominate and not just be there to hold up, you know, linemen for linebackers to come in and make plays, but they can actually affect, um, you know, pressure on the quarterback and things like that. And I think Aaron Donald has just taken that to, like, two times level. I think John Randall was kind of like the, the, you know, the stratosphere. Yeah, the next kind of in between uh, Warren Sapp and where Aaron Donald is was kind of like John Randall from a defensive tackle standpoint. Um, so, yeah, I think that he is definitely um, getting to the legendary status as defensive tackle. But as far as defensive player of all time, yeah, there's some, there's a few other people ahead of him there. You agree or disagree? Yeah, they, yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. You know, especially the defensive player standpoint, but he has changed what a defensive tackle is in the NFL. Uh, you know, you're not gonna get that kind of player. Uh, you know, I think it's one that's one of those once in a generation kind of players in that position. And what he brought, what he brings and brought to the to the franchise uh, is a lot of a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work, a lot of perseverance, because, you know, it's not easy to it's not easy to go to the Super Bowl, you do this to win the Super Bowl, and and the way he's naturally able to run shop, that's what it is. It's so natural, the way he plays the game and the way his game flows, that's what makes it so special and and effortless, too. So I think he's a great, great talent, great person, and his work ethic is, is one of the best. You know, you got to give him that, definitely. I think another thing that we're going to have to look at with the Rams is the way that they have gone about building this team as far as being like first-round draft picks, what are those? Because we're willing to trade our first-round draft picks for players that are far exceeding uh, in experience and at least NFL-level readiness then those first-round draft picks are going to see in three or four years. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we'll give you a first-round draft pick to get Von Miller. Hey, we'll give you a first-round draft pick to trade for Odell Beckham. Hey, Jaylen we'll Ramsey. give you, you know, picks to get Jalen Ramsey. We'll give you two picks to get Stafford. And the way that they have looked at things is that no matter 
what the talent level of that rookie player is, he's not going to affect the Rams as much as those veteran players with that, you know, six, seven, eight year experience underneath their belt. And they've done this um, with, you know, most NFL teams may have a handful of stars, three, usually quarterback, guy on defense, receiver, you know, running back or so. But they've done this with like, a whole lot of stars, you know, Von Miller, Stafford, yes. OBJ, Cooper Cub is definitely a star now. Um, they got Andrew Wentworth from Cincinnati, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Ramsey. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, they've 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 really assembled a team um, in a way that we've never seen before in this era of free agency and salary cap. To just be like, hey, you know what? We're in the win now business, and hey, if we can get two or three of these titles in this quick four year span, then guess right. what? That'll be enough to satisfy our fans for the next four years, where we're probably gonna not be so good. And maybe that's what Sean McVay is looking at. Like, you know what? This the way that we're doing things. We're only gonna have another two or three years to be at the top of this thing. And I, and I want to get out before we have to go through that real rebuild where we got to, you know, start at the ground level and pay for all these, you know, you know, draft picks and, and going for it the way that they have the last three years, to be honest. My fault. I had to uh, find my new button here, but, uh, but yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because uh, the way that, if you watch all or nothing on Amazon Prime, there is a season with the LA Rams. And this is actually the year they drafted Cooper Cup. Like you see you actually went through the whole process of watching this team uh get assembled when they made the move from St. Louis to Los Angeles. And so you see so much not just for the team building it's or rebuilding it if you really want to look at it. It's its own base of of um, St. Louis to LA, but you're also looking at also this uh, assembly of of um, a future star, and so like future stars and things of that sort. So right. the the way that they came about getting this done is um, is really remarkable and and then not only do they do they assemble this team by not only do they assemble this team by by uh, the draft process through the draft process when they started you know you follow you follow the players that, that were there when they made the move and then you see how it unfolds when they end up they end up um, what's the word I'm looking for they end up building for the win now so they go from you know starting this process moving to the Coliseum then they get SoFi built and then once they get SoFi built okay now we're changing the focus from going to you know, the rebuild while we're relocating to, uh, okay, we got to win. Now we got to find a way to win now. So it's a great, it's a great evolution and it's a great, great process that, you know, 
fans probably at the time, you know, when you're in this thing, you really try to see, you know, you try to see what you can do initially to get this, to get, first you got to get the fan base galvanized. Now you got the fan base galvanized. How are you going to build on that? You got to, you got to spark a new stadium and you got to make sure people, I mean, if people are going to come just for the experience, you also want to make sure you got a good product on the field. So Les Need has done a great job as much as we hate giving owners credit. I mean, you got to give Stan Kroenke credit too. I mean, uh, you know, because if he wasn't being cheap, this would not happen. Right. He, I mean, and we have had, there's been plenty of stories about Stan Kroenke being cheap in the past when it comes to certain teams that he owns, where whether it's Arsenal, whether it's the, whether it's, um, whether it's um, the Nuggets or Avalanche or the Rams in this case, is so much, um, you know, there, I can name off all the teams that this man owns, but, um, pretty much every, any, every Denver team except the Broncos. Um, and now you got, you got to make sure you invest in that team. And, you know, when you came up short, do you run it back or do you keep, um, do you run it back or you blow it up? They, they were loyal to the process. They were loyal to the, to the, um, they were confident in what they had, so they kept it going and it got rewarded for it. So, right. Um, interesting part of this is going to be uh, what's going to happen with Odell Beckham um, after this knee injury. Now he's going to have to go through rehab. He's also an unrestricted free agent as well. So I don't know. Um, you know, it's hard to negotiate when you're coming off of, a, you know, an injury as a, I don't know if it's a significant, if it's an ACL or MCL or what the significance of the injury is. But uh, talk about just OBJ, kind of the narrative around him as far as, I mean, what a season he's had to go from on the outside looking in in Cleveland to, you know, coming to L.A. once they lose um, Woods to, you know, being a big cog in their second half, heading and throughout the playoffs, and then, you know, catching the first touchdown in the Super Bowl, looking like he might be able to have a big game to, you know, all of a sudden he's on the, you know, the turf grabbing the knee and uh, no contact, which is everybody's worst fear. Um, just talk about what you see for OBJ uh, in the future this offseason, and do you think that maybe he has to take a discount to stay with the Rams just because he's coming off this injury? I think I think wherever he goes, he may have to take a discount because of that health. Um, you, you, that's the definition of a roller coaster, though. Like you're literally on the highest of highs, scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Like that's everybody's. That's like a kid's dream. Like, like to go to a Super Bowl be in the Super Bowl, score a touchdown, and then then it comes crashing down when you get injured. And then you have to 
then you have the celebrating the victory, even though you feel like you should have been, you were a part of how big that win was and you want to be a bigger part of it. Um, and then, and now, you know, everything has worn off and now you're sitting here wondering what is next. So, um, I think it's a whole range of emotions that you have and it's a whole range of it's a whole range of things that that um, that you have to go through. If he stays with the Rams, um, if he stays with the Rams, then uh, they'll probably be looking for a discount. Right, right. Um, if if he uh, goes elsewhere, it likely will be a one year deal because you know. I think everybody wants a long-term deal uh, and stability, but with an injury, everything that happened uh, with Cleveland, you know, which most of that wasn't even his fault. I mean, let's um, be honest there. Um, but but I think it's going to be a one-year wherever he goes. Um you know, whoever decides to pay him can pay him, but um, it'll, it'll definitely be a discount if he stays with the Rams. The final thing we'll bring up discussing all things concerning the Super Bowl is Matthew Stafford um, and his legacy, his career. Um, he's finally had that defining moment where he led that game-winning drive to win the Super Bowl all those years, that decade plus that he spent in Detroit um, with 500 seasons, losing seasons, a few playoff appearances here or there, but never really, um, you know, breaking through the ceiling uh, the way that he did this year. Um, just what do you think is his legacy going forward? Former number one pick. He's won, um, you know, the Super Bowl now. He's, you know, led the league in passing and touchdowns and all of those you know, statistical accolades, but where do you think his legacy now stands after winning the Super Bowl? I think it's well-deserved. I think he has definitely accomplished a lot. I mean, it's not his fault. It's not his fault he didn't have a great front office in Detroit. Um, you know, somebody was definitely bitter about Matthew Stafford winning the Super Bowl. I think his um, legacy definitely should be defined with the fact that he, he has won. Uh, he's won a Super Bowl. Sorry, hold on. Define his legacy. He's won a Super Bowl. He was the number one overall pick. Uh, you look at the fact that not only was he a number one overall pick, um, just so, you know, he got, I mean, with Megatron, he helped the Lions get to relevance. A lot of people 
want to say that because he had Megatron that he didn't do anything, he's a failure. He's not a failure by any means or stretches of the imagination. I think it's absurd, honestly, that that just because you have one other player, that should be your legacy, but it's not. He got the chance to play for a better team. He took the opportunity, and he capitalized on it. I mean, first year. This was his first year in Detroit. and I mean, not Detroit, but in L.A. And he wanted to stay in Detroit. It's not like he wanted. It's not like he forced his way out of Detroit. The Rams wanted him. Yep. Washington wanted him, too. But we didn't have enough to give up in return. We didn't have a, a – basically, it came down to this. We had the draft picks. They looked at our quarterback situation and said, nah, we don't want none of that trash. And Detroit said, you know what? He's not necessarily our first choice, but we think we could work with Jared Goff for a season or two. So let's do the trade. Because it was uh, between Washington and um, L.A. Detroit. It was between Washington LA. and L.A. for the, 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 the rights to him in the, in the offseason. So that's that. But, yes, I think Matthew Stafford for years has been a quarterback that I thought – uh, was an empty stats guy, you know. He's the type of guy when you're down three touchdowns, he'll score two touchdowns late in the fourth quarter, or you know, a game where they're winning by a whole lot. He's thrown for a lot of yards in the you know first half, and then has to hold on to win in the second half. Just never really thought that he was a you know contending Super Bowl winning caliber quarterback. But and I never and I also thought that the pressure would maybe be too much for him just because we've never seen him really have this much pressure on him to deliver, be the guy, have to be the guy. Everybody's dependent on you to bring this thing home where you're the missing piece is going to get us over the top. And I thought that maybe that pressure would get to him, but he handled himself brilliantly uh, throughout the playoffs. Um, Of course, the duel with Tom Brady um, you know, delivering late in the game against San Francisco in a game in which, you know, nobody for the Rams really played particularly well, but they found a way to win. And kind of like the Super Bowl as well, you know, I don't think, it, you know, that first quarter they looked really good, but once Odell went down, you know, it was a struggle for them until that last drive in the fourth quarter where, you know, he, he hit those passes and, and made that epic drive and hit Cooper Cup. So, I think that, you know, he rose to the occasion, which was something that I had my doubts on whether he could or not. And I think that everything as far as his career from here on out is just going to get easier because, you know, he's proven he can handle the pressure. He's got the Super Bowl ring. He's got all the stats. He's got all the numbers uh, for the Hall of Fame and everything like that. Uh, So now he just gets to, you know, enjoy the second half of his career. And uh, not have to worry about those, you know, questions. Is he going to be the the best quarterback of his generation to not be the Super Bowl, uh, be a Super Bowl winner? Now he doesn't have to uh, involve himself in that. And that's you know, Crane's neck towards Matt Ryan. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Matt Ryan's, uh, you know, legacy now. So um, I, I'm just uh, was very impressed by the way Matthew Stafford handled himself, handled the pressure, and delivered in the biggest moments of the season. Uh, for his team. So uh, congrats to Matthew Stafford. 
Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Sean McVay, and all of the Los Angeles Rams, this year's Super Bowl winners. So before we wrap this up, man, give me a preview. What you think that your team needs to uh, do in the offseason? What are you looking for in the draft? And um, just maybe a, a, a you know quick uh, outlook of the Panthers and you know the 2022-23 season. Uh, let's see. New coach would be nice. Um, I hope they go two and fifteen, so that they can get rid of Matt Rule. Um, they need a quarterback. Sam Darnold ain't it. They lie. Even though the players want Cam and his energy, I don't see them bringing it back. Um, yeah. Other than that. A quarterback, an offensive line would be nice. Uh, um, Steve Wilkes is back as the secondary coach. Um, and I think Phil Snow is a great defensive coordinator. And as much as I didn't like the McAdoo hire, I think he's one of those coaches that's a good coordinator, but not a good head coach. So I think – I think um, – Ben McAdoo, if he just stays in his lane as a offensive coordinator, it'll be fine. But then again, he may be the new head coach if the Panthers get off to a bad start and Matt Rule gets fired. Um, I would love Matt Rule to get fired, but um, a lot of he's basically this is seems like a lame duck season, so. Um, I, an optimist would say five and twelve, but I'm shooting for the low bar. Give me a two and sixteen season, and you know maybe build the offensive line. I mean, do like they did in the rules first draft where they drafted all all uh, defensive players, draw draft the whole offensive line, like every offensive lineman available, draft them. <laughs> um, uh, you and you and Cincinnati are going to be in the same pool, I think, this year. Because, but at um, least since yeah, Cincinnati. I mean, there's no there's no real quarterback prospect. Um, Cincinnati, they definitely do need to beef up the line at least, so their quarterback will have a long career. Yeah, um, we don't want that. Man nobody's going to gonna Andrew Luck be like I've had or David or, or David Carr. And I'm out. Right. Or David Carr. It's just like, I'm too smart and my family is too rich before I even started playing football for me to be getting beat up like this. I'm out. Right. Or David Carr. I mean, David Carr was the number one overall pick. Yeah. And he did not have a line because he was sacked a record amount of time. So the Houston Texans ruined that. Yeah. Um, And... You know, we don't know what's going on with the Deshaun Watson situation. Um, really don't want, I mean, Russell Wilson is still a great talent, but it's not the Russell Wilson that we all grew to love. It's not. <laughs> um, um, and I think, you know, when these scrambling quarterbacks realize they got to start passing the ball, it's just not fun watching them anymore. Right. Um, it happened with Cam. It happened with Russ. Um, it happened with Luck. Um, 
wherever there's a running quarterback, it's going to happen with Lamar eventually. And it's going to happen with Josh Allen eventually. So, But I think Josh uh, Allen has shown, though, that he has made such an improvement at just accuracy and passing from the pocket that I don't think it's going to be a big of a detriment to him once he has to stop running around as much and make, you know, 90% of his plays as a pocket passer. I, I think that that game against Kansas City basically showed you, like, you know, I can stand in this pocket and go toe-for-toe with who y'all consider the best. Um, yeah. As far as Washington, the commander's preview – uh, for next season, uh, same boat as the Panthers. Definitely, they need an upgraded quarterback. Uh, they definitely could use. They're going to probably need a guard because it looks like uh, Brandon Sheriff is going to leave in free agency unless they franchise tag him. I don't think they're going to try to do that. Uh, still need another wide receiver to, to pair up alongside Terry McLaurin. Did not get a good look at Curtis Samuels this year because, like, every time Washington goes out and pays a high-dollar receiver and not named Santana Moss, they end up injured for the whole season. Um, still need middle linebacker help. Still need some secondary help as well. Um, so there's still some holes uh, defensively that they need to shore up and um, just need to be more aggressive with their coaching, I think, as far as their play calling offensively and defensively. Um, I didn't think that we dictated to a lot of teams this year. Felt like we kind of took their shots and got hit on the chin and then had to dust ourselves off and figure out a way instead of coming out and being the aggressor, especially uh, defensively at times. Um, And I need Antonio Gibson to work on his ball security. Um, He had the most fumbles in the league this year from the running back position. Um, So definitely need him to be able to shore that up. And, um, you know, that's basically what I'm looking at going into next year. Very big year as far as the team goes because Terry McLaurin is going to be a free agency after this year. Uh, They'll probably hopefully get a deal locked in with him next year. Chase Young is going to be up as well on his rookie deal. So uh, a lot of things are going to be happening as far as contracts go trying to get some of these young guys that are talents uh, in the fold for years to come to help, you know, move forward with this new tradition of the commanders. And I just overall hope that, you know, this is the year, it's just year three, you know, Ron Rivera's really got to do something. You know, he got, yeah. he got lucky. Some put up or shut up. Yeah. He got lucky and went in the division. His first year is a very bad year. Um, we really didn't play good football this year. We had that one stretch where we won like five games in a row, but that was really an anomaly for the rest of the way the season played out. Um, so this is the year where he's really got to, you know, get things hump up and going and headed towards that, you know, upper echelon, you know, Hey, get to the playoffs, win a playoff game, advance to the next round, you know, you know, that's the type of stuff we got to see. Um, if not, it's going to be, um, you know, a very difficult fourth year for Ron Rivera to be a lot of pressure right. on him. Right. And, um, you know, if they still don't have a quarterback in the building as far as uh, traded for one of these upper tier quarterbacks or have drafted a guy who can give people hope, you know, I don't think Ron Rivera is going to be very successful 
uh, with this current level of talent that he has unless they just do some outstanding coaching. Um, and that's capable with this coaching staff. They definitely have the coaches that can coach them up, but I think they are going to have to change their approach in the offseason and during the season to hold these guys more accountable and to get them to understand that we have a system and we don't really need people freelancing inside our systems. So, Dwayne, I'll turn it over to you, sir, for your shout-outs and thank yous. Hold on. To the CSPN, um, all the shows that and the content that everybody produces, I thank you, Don, as always, for uh, allowing me to be on the show with you each and every time out. Uh, Shout-out to my family. Shout-out to... uh, um, Shout out to all the black women as well, because y'all deserve it. Y'all don't so. Um, my final thought uh, basically is uh, once again, if you need to watch your football palette, uh, the USFL is coming. They are is fast approaching April 16th. Uh, the first season will be all in Birmingham, Alabama at UAB Stadium as well as Legion Field. Uh, so they're doing the whole um, they're doing the um, one site, one city atmosphere uh, for definitely the first season. They may do it for uh, two seasons before they get into their cities. Um, it gives all the teams time to to uh, find a stadium to play in. Um, and so, yeah, so I just want to keep it football-related. Um, just um, I know I'll at least watch the first first game to see how it goes. So, uh, Fox and NBC have a lot of money invested into it, so their TV, TV is covered. Um, it'll actually be a simulcast, which – Hasn't happened. I think we said this previously since Super Bowl one. So, um, where it's going to be the first game will be on Fox and NBC together, uh, just like Super Bowl one was on ABC and NBC uh, simultaneously. That's how the first game of the USFL season will go down. All right, I give a big shout out to my co-host Dwayne here for joining me once again on Know the Score. Thank you to everybody throughout the CSPN network, everybody who helps me uh, produce the Russellcast uh, programming, everybody, uh, the guys over at the Comic Book Chronicles who uh, produce their content each and every week. Give a big shout out to everybody here on the network who has been a big part of this thing helping us move forward these past few years uh thank you to the listeners and the score for bearing with us trying to get back on more of a regular platform here in 2022 uh, to give you this commentary about the things that we care about in sports um and just continue to support cspn by going to our patreon page 
patreon.com forward slash CSPN media. Become a patron and there you can listen to all types of content from wrestling to pre and post show conversations that we have before we record various podcasts. There's a lot of interesting things up for you over on the Patreon page. Also support us through CSPN.us. Go to our webpage, click on the tab that says keep our podcast free at the top of the page. Do some shopping with our sponsors, support our sponsors, and that helps support the show. Keeps all the episodes here free, up and running on the network for your enjoyment. So for my co-host, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.